welcome to another episode of No Plans to Merge. I'm your host, Caleb Porzio. I'm your other host, Daniel Colburn. Today's episode is brought to you by Audio Hijinks. Audio Hijinks. Take your audio, do some wacky stuff. That's right. Daniel? Caleb? How's it going, buddy? You have new glasses. No. Um, this is funny. It's <sighs> like, uh, the I wear these all the time. I just don't wear them on the computer. So when I, like I wasn't on the computer before I was watching oh. Ozark because Ozark. I'm addicted to that right now. So, um, yeah. So I came here and had the glass on. It's kind of like, I imagine it's like seeing someone like, like your mom without their makeup on. You're like your friend's mom without their makeup on when yeah, you yeah, sleep yeah. over their house and the, you know. Uh-huh. Or something like yeah. that. It's like, oh, you're you're different when you're in your natural habitat, right? <sighs> um, but yeah, they look good. Thanks, bud. So Ozark is one of those shows that I will never watch okay. because Charlotte watched it without me. Oh, and so now I can't watch Why? it because when am I going to watch it? Oh, well, come on! You don't you don't have uh, TV in me time. No, I see. I, that's the thing is, I do video games in me time instead, right. and so often during my video games time, Charlotte will just watch a show. Right, right. And then it's like, well, now I can never watch that show. Gotcha. Because the only time I watch TV is with my wife. Yep, yep, yep. That makes yep. sense, bro. You got a lot of uh, fishing rods behind you. Yeah, I'm working on a. You know, I got a whole storage problem, mm-hmm. and I need. I think I'm going to turn the area behind my desk that I'm looking at that wall into like a giant wall of shelves for fishing mm-hmm. stuff and all my other random hobbies, you know, because it I've got a, got a real storage issue here. I've learned CAD in order to design a wall of shelves. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. So, so I've got this closet in my uh, in my office here and uh, it has over time become the closet where things that don't go anywhere else go yep i got three of those uh yeah we had three of those we were whittling them down and like making each of them have designated things in them yep um which just whenever something didn't fit a category it ended up stuffed into my closet Mm -hmm. so now i have this closet that is just a mishmash um but i have a plan for this closet and what it's going to be um and it's impossible to verbalize, so I had to just do it in CAD. Um, That's cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. I would... So I use Shaper 3D on the iPad Pro. Okay. It's like an iPad Pro CAD tool. Oh, nice. That you can use the pencil with. Ooh. And like, it's legit. Does it like snap stuff? to Like, is it for, like, could I use it to create um, like shelves that I eventually build out of wood? Yes, that's what I'm doing. And it would all be like proper like sizing like it would snap mm-hmm. all your stuff at the right sizes and yeah that. so you pick like what dimensions you're working cool. in so like you say inches or right feet or millimeters or, or whatever yeah and then it, it gives you a grid and you can just draw on that grid it's legit dude that's legit yeah anyway i'll i'll try and describe it to the to the listener and to you it's uh like at desk height there's going to be essentially a desk Right, so like a surface at like countertop or desk height. Yeah, boy. Um, then below that are going to be three rows of eight-inch cubes. Okay. Um, which won't really be cubes because they'll be so long, but the fronts will be squares, and then they'll be sort of like long, 
eight inch rectangles. Yep. Um, and then below that will be two eight inch tall drawers. Um, and these drawers will be split in the middle. So it'll actually be two sets of two eight inch tall drawers. Mm -hmm. It's like a double wide closet, you know? Yep. Um, and so then in those drawers, I'm going to take that like foam stuff and like cut out the shapes of all of my power tools. Oh, nice. And then I'm going to have that's, those drawers just hold all my power tools. That's brilliant, dude. Have you seen that um, before? You no. Seen anybody just, do that? No, I just have a dresser in my closet right now. Dude. And in that dresser, I have three drawers of power tools just jumbled on top of each other. And I it's really like this foam thing. How do you cut out the foam? Well, you can get foam that is already like laser cut, sort of perforated oh. in um in like half inch squares, right? And then you can just pick out half inch squares until you have the shape you want. No way, yep. dude! This is very cool. Yeah, so that's the goal. Um, wow. So two or four drawers total for power tools and things like that right and then three rows of cubes then a work surface then about two or three feet of blank space um so that it's just like a work surface right there and then above is going to go one row of 12 inch cubes yep that i can keep random other stuff in right the goal here is to make everything visible all the time except for the power tools right yep but i'll it doesn't matter that i'm hiding the power tools because the power tools will be in the foam so like there's only one way that it could be in there yep so since i know the way that it will be in there i seeing it isn't important but for everything else i'm trying to remove drawers and doors and other things that can hide things drawers and doors because i've i've learned that i need to be able to see everything all the time yeah um cuz that's just how my brain works anything and everything all of the time all of the time Yes. Um, Agreed. That's that's the thing. That's like the, Mer so yeah, the Marie Kondo I, thing where you like you can't have something under something. Everything correct. has to be at surface visible. level and visible. Yeah, but she's all about having then like little containers. Sure. Which, but the, I think is the takeaway for me is is having nothing is under anything. Nothing's under anything. Correct. As soon as something's under something or behind something, you yeah, know, it's gone. It's gone. Um, and then the, the last little two bits is like how, so this does need to be able to close, right? The whole yeah. closet, e even though the idea is like, I want to be able to see everything all the time, mm -hmm. right? It does need to be able to close. So the depth of the, um, basically there's going to be a cover for all of the cubbies. The three inches of cubbies are going to have like one cover. So there will be like a door that exposes all the cubbies or none of the cubbies. Mm-mm. Nope. Don't know what you mean. Okay. A door so, attached like on front of the cubbies, like you're talking just a door in front of the cubbies. Correct. But yeah. it's going to tilt up and become an extension of the workspace oh so that gosh, you have knee Daniel. room if you wanted to sit <laughs> at it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's a key part. But then it's like, okay, well then if I have like a bunch of mess on the workspace and I want to like hide that because a guest is coming over or something. Yeah. How do I do that? Um, I don't want to have like regular bifold closet doors because those things are a disaster. Okay. Um, so I have designed a complicated 
garage door system made out of quarter inch plywood and uh, nylon webbing um, with a counterweight and ball bearings. Wow. So um, it's just like a like an accordion type uh, or whatever. Not like an no, accordion, you know those, but uh, like it rolls up that... onto a spool. Oh, okay, yeah, like yeah. a like a secretary desk. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be something like that. I'm going to build little tracks into the sides of the closet, yep. and then I'm going to basically mount this whole system in the because there's about a foot and a half of closet above the top of the door. Yep. Right. So this whole system is going to live in that area that's invisible. And then when I put in the cubes, the top layer of cubes, it will just hide that thing. Yep. Completely. So then the goal is that I should be able to just reach up, pull the thing down and like cover the entire front of the thing. Yeah. But then push it up and it just totally disappears. And I don't have like bifold doors that I'm running my chair into if I'm trying to sit at the workspace or whatever. This workspace is for what? For like, uh, not so for one your thing, computer, right? This is for like no, soldering No, so my desk is going to stay the desk. But there are, yeah. And so making for, like tinker toys. Yeah, like drawing With stickers. Uh, I want to have a 3D printer there nice. eventually. Yeah. Like these sorts of things. Right. So if uh, there was a soldering project that Ooh, was ongoing really cool, that man. I didn't want to have on my desk, yeah. it could be over there. You know, just like a little like workbench kind of area. Wow. I wonder if I could do something like that because I I could lack definitely do something like a like fly that. tying table, a soldering table, you know, a surface with all yeah. those things. But I've never been able to, in the history of my life, have a work surface like that that is well kept, kept, mm-hmm. kept. Um, mm-hmm. So, but I I dream of one day being organized enough to have like a ton so of little tiny had, drawers for everything, and you know what I mean. If you had uh, 27 8-inch cubbies and four 12 in, or five 12-inch cubbies immediately connected to that workspace, your chances of keeping it organized would be way better. Better for sure. Yep. So that's the thing that that's my goal here is like not only is it a work surface, it's a work surface that comes with like a massive amount of very specialized storage. Yeah. And so hopefully like I will actually store things. You know um Casey Neistat's like, sure wall of orange uh-huh little toolboxes toolboxes yeah like i feel like that's what i need like i need yeah, some well well but that those are too the eight small inch cubbies may end up holding i may end up subdividing the eight inch cubbies into smaller right. cubbies that can hold those little slider things yeah i i think like i love that approach because it's uniform because mm-hmm. it's like you can't you know if i create anything that is not completely uniform i'll be guessing at some usage system you know without having like put it through the rigor of you know it's just kind of like estimating software like i feel like the only reasonable thing for me to do is have a giant wall of equal storage containers um but his i can't imagine having an entire wall of those toolboxes and not like how many times do you think he's been like man this toolbox is an inch too small Yeah, yeah yeah or five inches you know like how many times is he like well, I can't put this thing in the toolbox because they're small. He seems like a guy who would cut an inch off of the thing. Sure, he would modify the the tool itself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you seen um, Adam Savage's like new YouTube career? Um, how recently? Uh, the last several years. Yeah, I mean, I thought like followed like tested before like tested and all and that. Then yeah, when yeah. he overtook that, so I sort of followed that a bit. So yeah, I've seen stuff. So yeah. he had. Have you like seen any of his like uh, workshop tours and stuff? I think so. He 
is also like a big like organization hero of yeah. mine mm, um mm-hmm. and the way he but he's also like me like a messy yeah person, he's super but messy, a very yeah. organized messy person yeah right Where like he and the thing that he does that's sick is he he, he builds all this like a piece of furniture that holds all of the things of a category mm-hmm. that is on wheels and then he'll just like put that thing off in a corner somewhere when he doesn't care about yep. it. But when it's time for welding, he's got like a a cabinet of welding stuff that's on wheels that he can just bring over and then mm. all of the welding stuff is there. That's what's up. That is what's up. That is totally what's up. Can you imagine just like having a bedroom that was like like a gridlock of like Right. You just slide out like your slide out items that you could just yep. pull around your house wherever you needed them. I mean, organizing things by like domain you know is yeah really nice like i i have um like i do this with backpacks so i have like Mm -hmm. a uh, wood carving backpack that has uh slash leather working backpack Mm -hmm. um and then there's other backpacks for like gun stuff and hunting stuff and the pro but somehow some things outgrow you know like the fishing is now a real problem it needs its own closet but but there's and the hiking too, you know. So I don't know. It's tough. But I the backpack thing is nice for all the little hobbies. Having a bat an old backpack per hobby, mm-hmm. like even like for like my Xbox stuff. I don't actually have like my Xbox hooked up most of the time, so this mm-hmm. isn't a normal thing. But I don't know. Whatever. But lots of stuff. Yeah. But having uh, same same concept. But having having something that having like a wheel out table that's like oh this is my my this table you know what could be really sick would be like imagine like a closet that was like built to hold pelican cases yeah and then like instead of a backpack per per hobby you have just like a pelican case per hobby and then you could store them in a nice grid yeah that'd be cool with and you could like label the sides yep you know yeah yeah it's definitely nice there's a i hope someday in life i solve this problem i hope i i am able to like tie flies and solder stuff and like whittle stuff and and not have it all just destroy my life every time Mm -hmm. i attempt each thing can i say one other potential design i considered for this thing which was much more of like a fever dream than an actual serious option (laughs) was um instead of doing the cubbies i briefly considered doing multiple workspaces Mm -hmm. (laughs) that were each on tracks um, that could be lifted and then locked into place. Okay. So that I could have multiple projects on different work surfaces and then just kind of hoist them out of the way to work on something. Counterweighted and you can just like below them. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, that was like a, that was like a crazy fever dream of mine. The idea that like I could have one space with like multiple rotating workspaces Mm That could like maintain state, right? Yep. So like I could have like be in the yeah. middle of a soldering project. I mean, project, it's, it's workspace out of the way. Like OSX work workspace. Yeah, exactly. Like, Literally like multi desktop. Yep. You could That's still be messy, for. but not have the messes intermingle. You could yeah. have like an ongoing thing. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Like. Can you imagine like a, a world where like you got to design a house and like you designed a closet like that, but you built some sort of like a carousel? of workspaces mm. so like you could like c- turn a crank and it yeah. would just kind of rotate through like one of those car parking things in japan i don't know about those oh in japan they have these car parking towers where like you pull everyone oh. 
you pull your car in and then it just gets taken away right 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 by a system of trolleys yeah no that that should be the case yeah carousels are good carousels are very good and have the carousel like the the bulk of it is in a hidden room you know yeah exactly like you just have access to one one of the faces and then you just hit a button for Mm -hmm. like okay i want batmobile you know yeah um yeah that's pretty cool counterweights are awesome they Uh they're just one of those things that i really love we were on a boat the other day in the buffalo river Uh and the bridges on the buffalo river are like counterweight bridges you know and they actually go Uh up and down a bunch of times each day for big boats to go through and it's this is old school stuff like like very old but still functional like you look at it and you're like no way does that thing work there's way too much sure. rust on that but it works and and it's just a huge huge counterweight like it's a bridge on a track like on a, a really tall chain. track yeah exactly and then a, like huge 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 counterweight of just like cement mm-hmm. and and it you know you're just looking and you're like wow the amount of energy to lift that entire massive bridge that cars drive over all day is probably like remarkably low, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like maybe we could just hoist it up with it by hand, you know? Uh-huh. It's crazy. It's cool. Counterweights are nuts. Counterweights, man. They're nuts. They um, are nuts. Yeah. We, uh, oh, we should probably like tell the people. So, hi, you haven't heard from us in like a week and a half and it's Wednesday and it's like not our normal day to have the podcast. Oh, yeah, hey. Caleb traveled. I traveled. We've we all, all traveled. Place. We're all back back in back in the business times we're back uh-huh um caleb someone i think there is some drama oh someone said on twitter something i saw this while i was traveling like There's always drama. Ooh, ooh wow can't wait for this week's no plans to merge like we were gonna address something that was dramatic oh um but i don't i was tr- driving a car to maryland so i didn't like do the do my research to figure out what the drama was about is there drama oh <laughs> i think i know what you're talking about oh do we even talk about it i sort of just i don't know what it is something happened in the world what happened in the world and i'm wondering if i should just never speak about it publicly ever okay and i've thought of maybe um no evan you created a, a alpine clone you know that's all did he yeah it's called petite view it's uh basically alpine so there's that Uh, but um i'm not worried do i sound worried (laughs) well now you do now that you're saying do i if that's like am i being an asshole to this person at the drive-thru yeah (laughs) (laughs) right cat's out of the bag yeah yeah. um no yeah it's all good it i it's all good good, whatever it it never happened never happened it never happened um yeah so does it have x intersect doesn't have x intersect yeah it's not problem. <laughs> oh <gasps> um daniel yeah at some point uh-huh. i would like to talk to you about um github copilot slash other Dude, ai things me too okay because um, this would also be a really good name for this episode yeah github copilot like people would yeah, listen yeah, yeah. To that, like people know? would click on it it'd yeah. probably get us some yeah it'd be content for sure for sure um <laughs> they'd go there and be like i thought this was be about github copilot first 20 minutes so is about desks i am definitely with the idea 
that a bunch of people wrote code yep. under various licenses, some of which is like MIT, do whatever you want, but like some of which is not MIT, okay. right? Where they maintain specific rights to their code. Okay. Um, and GitHub just said, eh, whatever. Your code's on our site. We're going to run it all through our big machine learning system and like eventually end up like redistributing your code or a derivative work of your code uh, to other people. Yeah, um, I guess I should say that I don't actually know a lot about this or have a lot of opinions on it. I'm more just excited about the tool. <laughs> no, the but, tool is uh, cool. But yeah, I guess you know what that, my take? That is, is like a Do we position. know that? Like that's what? that's the current controversy, of course. But do we know yeah, that yeah. they're so using they, like they they said that they did not regard license when they gotcha. trained their AI on the code. Yep. So yeah. we definitely know that, and I think there's actually a class action lawsuit happening now about it. There you go. Um. So we know that some people's code was like used in ways that violated their license to do this. Hmm. Um. Okay, and so arguably, like you can you can make the the very dark case right that like it's really messed up to like take someone's code violate their license and then build a tool to replace their employment which is you know <laughs> the end goal of all of this right i don't know i don't even know about that <laughs> but well i mean the end goal is definitely to have like ai writing the code so that we don't have to have humans writing the code right isn't that just the arc of history maybe automate maybe. everything you know it's interesting, Daniel. I showed, so I saw it and I was like, "Woo, this is really cool." Mm -hmm. um, I played with it, installed it. I still use. I've been using it every day. It's fun. And uh, so Mitch is over, and mm -hmm. I'm like, "Dude, Mitch lives in a hole. He's basically never on the internet." I'm like, sure. "Dude, GitHub Copilot exists. Check this out." And he's like, he's like freaked out. He's like, mm -hmm. "Oh boy." He's like, "Oh, just like, dude, stuff like this makes me anxious." He's like. It just, you know, it like blows his mind in one sense, like his mind like travels with it in yep. both directions. And one direction is like, dude, we're out of a job, man. Like, you know, yeah. um, I don't necessarily feel that way, but, um, but yeah, I mean, my, I guess we'll just, I'll just give you my perspective on it. My perspective is basically, you know what? It's a few things. It's, um, eh, like I should probably be more shrewd or um discerning about like all the implications that this could have or whatever mm -hmm. but to me this is a really good example of a thing that comes out that's new and crazy and a lot of people choose to be skeptical and cynical and whatever and like i think i've learned in my little you know time here um mm -hmm. in the tech space and whatnot i've learned to be optimistic about the future you know what i mean to like look For at sure. new tools and things and go like, you know, even if it, uh, I really can't describe this, but like don, don that optimism cap and, and be like, this is so cool. Like, how can I use this for cool things? Yeah, it's things? definitely and, cool. You know, I'm not like disagreeing with that. I just yeah. like, I, I also like don't really trust Microsoft to do what's in the best interest of the open source community, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like Microsoft has like so consistently over the decades like injured the open source community and specifically open source licenses and stuff like that, you know, like and like 
everyone was kind of concerned when they bought GitHub, like, what are they going to sure. do, you know? And, like, for a long time, it seemed like it was going really well. And this is the first thing where it's like, uh, that's a little sketchy, you mm. know? Yeah. Like, it's it's sketchy, and I don't like that you're doing it, you know? I like the product, and I think that there's a way to do it. Like, if they had just only trained it on MIT code bases, then there wouldn't be a problem. Yeah, and, there and there's probably so many MIT code bases. That would, yeah. that would be fine. Okay, so GitHub, yeah. just train it on MIT code bases. Um, but have you used it? No, I haven't used it yet. Daniel, I haven't been like writing. It is yeah. very fascinating. It is a tool that is um, intrusive. So it annoys you as much as it benefits you. As mm -hmm. far as like something in your editor that constantly is telling you something. Like every single line of code you write, it is put in grayed out text after that line and is suggesting more code. Which you and could imagine it work is extremely PHP? tiring. Yeah. And so you're just writing some, you're writing a PHP function. Yep. So does it do smart stuff like the stuff we actually want? Oh, it does. So there's so a few like, things. So like if I'm in a file called posts controller and I type method index, does it say uh, post colon colon all? Oh, that would be really interesting. Um, like is it that smart or is it purely based on the method name? So let's let's can we just do this live test real quick? Yeah. Artisan make controller post controller. Okay, now I have a post controller. Now I'm going to say public function index. And okay, so the first thing it 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 says return view post.index. So it doesn't fill okay. in any model things, but let's see what happens if I pass in an array. Ah, yeah. <laughs> and it suggests um, key posts value post model colon colon all. Mm -hmm. um, so let's see if I now create a, ooh, it suggested a function before I even did it. If I say pub, what does it say? Public function. Okay, it suggests create. And now if... Okay, so it knows... Okay, so it's still... What goes in an index. Oh, right. Let's do public function store, because that would have... Uh, it does show that takes an ID parameter. Um, store, and then post equals new post. What's the next line? Post arrow title equals request arrow title. Uh, post arrow body equals request arrow body. Post save. Return redirect to posts. Okay, so it did it. It wrote yeah. my store... Um, <laughs> it wrote my store controller method, but few notes. Um, first thing, it wrote it weird. It wrote it the kind of I'll say maybe old school way, the way I used to write stuff, where you like new up the model and then assign and the attributes start, and like, then do arrow save. Yeah, yeah. Um, because there's obviously different flavors, and it's gonna yeah. probably choose the most popular one, and that's probably right. the most popular one. But if somebody was getting into Laravel, um, they could create an entire CRUD post controller. Uh, with just this AI, not having to yeah. write a single line of code. Um, yeah, so I, this is the thing that I, I'm very fascinated by this. I guess I'll say, here's here's been my experience. I'm, I mostly have used it in JavaScript. Mm -hmm. And JavaScript. you can name any function and it will autofill that function, like, pretty well. Um, it adds semicolons a lot, which I hate. I wish it was mm -hmm. smart enough to know that I never use semicolons. Well, can't you just have prettier remove the semicolons? Okay, man. I, I was just on a podcast where this happened yesterday. 
which I want to talk to you about for like a minute, but I recorded a podcast. I was a guest on a podcast yesterday and there was like that exact, exact scenario just played out. And then we had to go on the whole like thing down linters and whatever. And mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway. Um, yeah, yeah, I could do that. But so you, you could see how, how if it's trained on the majority of code, it's like there's a lot of... Um, Though there's a bias towards old code because there's more yes. old code. Yep. Yeah. There is a bias towards old code for sure. Um, but it doesn't, it's not like you're, it's always autofilling like functions instead of arrow functions and stuff. It has, it, it uses mm-hmm. modern syntax a lot. Um, it's honestly, it's very much like getting code from Stack Overflow and pasting it in. It's very much like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's times where like if you have, um, so I, I've been writing a lot of, or I've been writing AI stuff, trying to learn this kind of the, this, the next topic is AI in general. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to learn machine learning because I think this is fascinating and I should know something about it. Mm-hmm. And in it's, I'm struggling sometimes with bits of code and mm-hmm. it like, it's been really helpful. It, it'll like auto complete algorithms and stuff like where I need it to just based on mm. the context and the name. Like it knows about machine learning code the same way it knows about Laravel code and knows about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's where it's really yeah, fun. So it's probably like a really powerful tool for either learning a new language or learning yeah. a new field of study. Yeah. Like I would love to do an experiment where I take something I don't know, like yeah. try to make a Django app, you know, or mm-hmm. even a Rails app, try to make a Rails app only using GitHub Copilot yeah how fun would that be that would be cool i think it'd be even more fun to do something like less familiar that's pretty unfamiliar no i'm saying like make a desktop app in rust or something like that like something where it's like you don't know the shapes you don't know where the files are supposed to go you know like controllers the problem is like it has no opinions about files you know Uh like any of the getting rails to work and all that stuff like that's you're still on your own. It's just going to mm-hmm. help you where your cursor is, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but the mm-hmm. nice thing about it compared to other tools like it that came before it is it does multi-line suggestions. So it'll suggest mm-hmm. a whole chunk of code. It is also intelligent to changes you're making repeatedly and it will auto suggest making the rest of the changes to something, which is so nice. Um, I don't know. What's an example? So like yesterday I did. Uh, so I'm I'm creating a little like linear regression thing like putting a bunch of points on a graph and then making a like machine learning algorithm to guess the you know a line that approximates those points Mm -hmm. and i'm writing in all the points and it just starts writing them for me you know Mm -hmm. because i'm i'm i have a constant slope so it knows Mm -hmm. the pattern and it'll just start like filling them in Mm -hmm. Um, so super cool it there's been a lot many times where i go oh this is really cool but it hasn't changed my life. I can. It's not like I can't live without it. But I'm gonna keep using it. But to me, it. I guess to me, it's just like the same way that oh, Stack Overflow is gonna take our jobs. Like you can just copy and paste any code you want. It's like, well, this is the same thing. I don't know. If yeah, Stack Overflow doesn't scale, maybe yeah. But I. I guess what I mean is in the in the sense that like. I don't know because then so I was talking with Mitch and and he's like well you could think about like if you wrote a test you could given this technology you could write a test and then an AI could write the code to satisfy that test Mm -hmm. you know Um, like a Laravel AI Mm -hmm. could do that Um, Mm -hmm. which is 
Yeah, pretty interesting. I don't know. It's like Dreamweaver was supposed to make web developers out of a job and Webflow. And I don't know. There's so many things that like are supposed to make developers out of a job. But I feel like I don't feel like I'm out of a job. I just don't get that feeling. Yeah. You know, Um, I would say, too, that like. We should look historically at what has put different industries out of jobs. Right. And it was never. um like tools that democratized entering the trade, you know, like whatever, like I can't get, like the electric drill didn't put carpentry out of a job. Yeah. Right. But like 3d printed buildings might put carpentry out of a job. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. So like Dreamweaver or whatever, or stack overflow even like these are tools for tradespeople. Sure. Right. Um, but I'm saying like this, and I know that this Not is Dreamweaver. Like a tool. Dreamweaver would be the thing to put web developers out of a job. Well, yeah, Dreamweaver was a was a tool That's to like 3D lower the barrier for entry into the trade of making websites. Yeah, it does all right? this. So here. like yeah. the it was the it was a democratization of the trade, right? Yep. yep. Just turned out they did a bad job. Um, but the thing about this is that like what really does put people out of a job is like wholesale automation right i went back to baltimore this weekend Mm -hmm. i went to royal farms which is like a maryland only gas station convenience store kind of a wawa type place yeah i ordered my chicken because they have amazing fried chicken at royal farms yep ordered my chicken got my gatorade walked up to the lady standing at the counter and she said do you need cigarettes and i said no and she said, okay, then Ooh. you can use self-checkout. Oh, okay. I, I thought that they, they have, had some history of your purchases and was like, Daniel, you need cigarettes. No, 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 no. <laughs> but I realized in that moment that when I used to live there, there was five people working at Royal Farms, a, sure. a convenience store, a popular convenience store. Yeah. And now Royal Farms has implemented self-checkout. The yep. only reason the person needs to be there is to check your ID to see if you can buy cigarettes. Right. Yep. That's like the only thing they haven't solved for which they will solve for sure right yeah and like that sort of wholesale automation does put people out of a job and i think what people are concerned about with copilot is that like because this is machine learning built by github whatever like it is definitely a step towards wholesale automation it's not wholesale automation and in its current implementation it obviously won't put anyone out of a job yeah um except in the sense that like it may decrease the number of developer hours required overall because people will be working faster so there will be less demand for well they'll just thrash on other stuff yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> they'll just thrash on fixing the mistakes the copilot made yeah um but like there is a world where like this thing isn't going to get dumber it's only going to get smarter as people for use sure. it and it's learning from your behavior and yep. you're teaching it how to be you yeah so I'm with you, Daniel, and I, I'll give it to you. I mean, I think I think you're right, and I think that um, I believe in the upward trajectory of AI in these areas. Like, I very much believe that, that yeah. I, and I can see the crazy things that they can do. I'm not opposed to automation in this space. Like, I think automation in this space is good in a world where the automation benefits the people who it is replacing, you know? But it won't. Right. 
Um, so this is where my, the way I think about these things is mm-hmm. any sort of techno- technological advancement like this, maybe not any ever, but any, yeah, technological advancement is an inevitability. Don't get in the way. Get, ride the wave. <laughs> uh, oh, you know, well, whatever it is. Like, and I know I that doesn't do account need- for like the cashier. You can't like go tell the cashier like, hey, you need to ride the wave. You should probably learn how to write, you know, code to automate like, you should go how to learn how to write the code to for that I can buy cigarettes without you. Mm-hmm. But within this circle, like this is this is why I'm kind of getting into AI and blockchain and stuff like that because I'm like, stuff is the future, man. You know, it, it's definitely the buzzwordy future and like mm-hmm. some of the BS future, but it's also the real future. Uh, well, definitely, especially the AI. AI. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm like, you know what? I think I need to get on this wave. And if I have any fear of like not being able to be paid to write like websites so or whatever that's not like, my fear you know? right like that's not my fear for me i'll be okay yeah you know like my fear is like i've been talking about this forever and i've been saying this forever and nothing changes because obviously i'm nobody but like this is software developers particularly Daniel, in america are like the most empowered workers ever for sure right we are so powerful it's such a buyer's market like we can do so many things and we can make demands and yet we've neglected to organize and we've sold out all of our labor power for foosball tables (laughs) and the idea i've always been saying that there's going to come a time where I, I thought it would be outsourcing, but automation is the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's going to come a time where just like the auto workers in Detroit who are incredibly powerful workers, right? Um, there will be a cheaper alternative than your bougie ass in San Francisco, mm-hmm. right? And if you haven't spent the time up until then building the necessary structural power um, to make sure that all of these workers are okay, uh, then San Francisco will be Detroit, right? Because just like that city of 3 million people, which became a city of 300,000 people or whatever, Mm -hmm. right? Um, When a boom town experiences a bust, Right. And when a boom industry experiences a bust, it causes massive ripples of like destruction throughout society. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wish that. Like to me, this just signals like an indicator that like we're moving closer. Right. Even if like this doesn't make. This doesn't make a computer able to do my job. This does make someone in, you know, some other country who doesn't know how to name variables in english well able to do my job better right this does make outsourcing easier because it makes outsourced agencies easier like easier to spin up because people need to know less code right uh so i just think like to me this just kind of there's like a darkness on my doorstep about sort of like Hmm. software development in the way that we've grown accustomed to it in like the boom years of the last, you know, 20 years or whatever. Yeah. Um, 
and it, it just like makes me sad because like we didn't take the opportunity we had as software developers to like build institutional power um and so many of us are just still like employees getting a paycheck right that could you know if the demand goes away and the demand's always been there so we're just used to being able to like go get a different job if we need a raise or whatever yeah you know um but if that demand starts drying up that like there's gonna be a lot of people in bad situations um and to to put on top of that that the thing that seems like an indicator of this to me was trained by stealing those people's code and then putting them on the streets essentially like that just it's just so dark to me you know like it seems so like dystopian to me Hmm. i don't know and yeah this stuff is the future and like yeah we should all like train up for the next thing and like you know eventually the the shoe horse the horseshoe maker goes out of business when you invent the car like blah 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 i get it right yeah like and like as personal advice to someone that's the personal advice i would give to someone right but like uh we shouldn't be designing society in a way where if everyone doesn't take the optimal advice they're in a terrible situation right yeah i don't know you know with all of these things i i can't um i i can follow your train of thought um and i think it's valid i i don't um you know there's a lot of uncertainty there for me i guess what was i gonna say software developers are like i i guess i also think that software developers are um can do more and more you know mm-hmm. like i don't have to write like garbage collecting code you know and mm-hmm. i can just use laravel mm-hmm. um there's so much that i can i could use open ai right now and i could basically mm-hmm. offer a small little startup the ability to use like seriously powerful ai models in their consumer code um, or their consumer application so anyway um so I, I'm like, okay, great. Like developers can do even more, even faster. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seems like a, like a, um, like a not a zero sum game kind of thing. Like how like wealth in the world, uh, like GDP could just keep growing and growing. And I'm not saying, the, I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't want to use the word GDP and spark another tangent, but sure, what sure. I'm saying is like, you know, if we had access to, like wealth in the world is not a zero sum game, you know? And this could just be like in introducing more power to developers to do even more and provide even more value to the world faster mm-hmm. because the the world, the economy is hungry for more uh development, you know, and wants it really bad. Um and this this is giving it more development. And I, I think it'll only raise the stakes. I don't know. Like raise the stakes in in the sense I think it'll only make us if it impacts anything meaningfully, honestly, mm-hmm. like if it's more than just a convenience for your editor, the same way that VS code is a nice upgrade mm-hmm. to sublime in some ways the, yeah. If this is anything more than that, um, then I just feel like it's a net good for everybody, but that's not, that's, you know, just uh optimistic thinking. Yeah. It's definitely going to be more of a net good for the people at the top. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. I just, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> I I think it's a cool tool. I like the tech. I'm a nerd. It's interesting. Yeah. 
I'll probably start using it, you know, but like. You know what? It's, it's like. It's just wrong I guess to like. I, in do, my mind, like, why, you know? why would I sit there? This is the. Hit me back, D. Cole. But mm-hmm. when I hear that, I'm like, we're supposed to like protect people for and somehow like pay them for not providing value anymore because technology has moved beyond them. You know? Yes. Yeah, and I guess I don't think that because way. they're the ones who moved like, the technology beyond themselves. No, but they wrote you know? the code to train this this model. Sure, but let's right. say that's what I'm saying. Okay, so well, they stole they their value. Okay, well, forget about in, that. In this hypothetical future, right? If I write the code that then puts me out of a job, like I am the one who did the labor that created that value for GitHub. Sort of. Um, I mean, open source developers did. I would argue well, that right. most of the code like, you wrote is not feeding that AI. And right, most right. of the code that most people, well, no, most employed developers But the wrote. code is on GitHub. They don't train with private code. Okay, they don't train with private repos. Okay, well, that's that's fine. But yeah, sure, if, it was, if I was an open source developer, sure. Forget about this AI being trained by the people mechanism. Pretend that this, this isn't even an AI. This is just a, a Alexa build me an app. You know, sure. That's then built that's by fine. a proprietary company, and now all of a sudden it's like, whoa, we're all out of a job. So that's the fundamental difference here. That's the thing that makes you like. That is one. That is one of the things that bothers me the most. Yeah. Right. That's the thing where I feel like there's culpability on GitHub's part. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Then I mean, when it comes Dude, down the road, open and source like, thing, man. <laughs> it's this crazy thing that like that you know open source is just the way to do stuff that's how you get a project used and popular yeah but like gpl like there's no no a hear lot. me out yeah we're all kind of just like just buying into it but there's mm-hmm. serious implications like what you're saying and also um like anybody can just steal anything you create and monetize it and they do you know like right but this that's open source thing is not legally just practically no, totally legally. Unless you are like have a license that says you can't do that. Right, you but could write I... open source code that doesn't. For sure, right, but I'm can... saying not no, MIT. I understand. I'm um, talking about the non MIT license. Right. I'm just here. saying the the default thing that everybody uses, GitHub autofills, every project uses that mm-hmm. is just Laravel. You know, everybody uses it. You just go. Yeah. I'm doing an open. I don't know enough about licensing implications to, and I don't want to restrict the growth of my thing and getting mm-hmm. all sorts of weird legal battles. So you just, you jump on board. Like, so everybody's just jumping on board, me included. MIT, 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 yeah. MIT open source GitHub. MIT open source GitHub because that's the happy path. Like that's the uh-huh. thing that everybody does. If you want distribution, you do that. And by doing that, there's all these other implications, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not looking good for the open source developer, you know? it never looked good it still doesn't look good it's like so i'm only profitable open source developer because i basically make my money on the videos that i could have made about another tool you know what i Mm -hmm. mean i would like to think a portion of my money i think is just because i work on open source but if it was only that i would be i would be a peasant um the same way like jeffrey way he makes his money on writing doing educational stuff for an open source tool. Um, yeah. The only reason that I am sort of able to say that I'm profitable is because I do both things, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the open source developer, no, there's no money in it. They don't get paid. They just get their code stolen. And it's just like, it's this dog fight 
you're just in the pit. Everybody's stealing each other's stuff, trying to get usage, and you don't even get paid anyway. I don't right. know. Just, I just and went then, off on that. Sorry. And then GitHub comes in and steals it all. Yeah. It's, uh, like well, I don't, I, I don't, like, I, I don't draw I really that get, line, but I hear you. I understand I really what get, you're saying. But see, I have the exact opposite. Like, I can't really get that mad about, like, fucking, like, the squabbles of, like, oh, you stole my code. You stole my code. It's like, yeah, you're all fucking programmers hanging out on GitHub stealing each other's code. Like, welcome to the jungle, bitch. Right? <laughs> but, like, I love it. You wanted to play in the space. This is the space. You know, you wanted to get down in the mud of like open source. Well, you didn't want to get in there. You just realized that it's a jungle after you yeah. got in there. Like, uh, like uh, go ahead. I don't know. It. It's like it's like if you see like a bunch of like drunk people outside a bar in a brawl, like that's like. Oh, well, you know, it's a bunch of drunk people at a bar. Like, what are you going to do? You know? Yeah. Um, but then if you see like, you know, like if they get like napalmed from an F-16, then it's like, oh, well, that seems like really fucked up and a decision that was made from on high, hmm. you know? Yeah, I don't know. I, I wish, maybe we should come up with a better example of fictitious I guess like example individuals, of, individuals stealing each other's code is like, well, whatever. Well, the thing That's is, it's not world. though. It's... It's it is sometimes individuals, but here so here's a good example recently, and I'm gonna actually call some people out here, and these are even friends of mine. So, and I know that these people listen to it, but I'm gonna do it. Why not? Um, (laughs) So, Aaron Francis creates Torchlight Dev. It's a project that uses Uh VS Code to syntax highlight, so that you can basically throw in, um, you know, your. So this is for like documentation sites or whatever. Mm-hmm. So if you've ever done documentation site, you know this is an annoying problem. And a lot of people use front-end solutions to syntax highlight their documentation yep. code. I listened to his Hammerstone podcast about this. Oh, nice. Who? Aaron yeah. Francis? Aaron Francis. Does he have his own podcast? Yeah, it's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, they haven't done an episode in a while. I just figured, I just found it like a week ago and listened to like three episodes. Okay, so very they cool They have a very technology. similar vibe to ours. Okay, nice. I'll have to check that out. Um, seems like a solid dude. And uh, yeah, his, so Torchlight. Very cool technology. VS Code mm-hmm. in the back end, um, you know, generating this syntax highlighted code on the fly, and it's perfect VS Code syntax highlighting just the way you'd want it. Very mm-hmm. cool. And he put a lot of work into it. Very cool landing page. You know, p- puts it out publicly and and is generating hype for it, whatever. Spotsy comes out with Shiki not that long later that is a VS Code driven back end syntax highlighter. Like, mm. like, whoa, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, and Spotsy's, you know, done this before, um, as a package or as a SAS as a package. So it's okay, not so a, his was as a SAS or his was like as a service, right? Oh, is it torchlight? No, I thought torchlight. I don't know. I thought torchlight it's still was like in beta. Is it? Let's see. Torchlight.dev. Um, yeah, I honestly think it's like, ah, so yeah, Torchlight Early Access. Um, interesting. You know what? I don't know if it's going to maybe be. Maybe I'm I wrong. I just kind of maybe... assumed that it would be an open source package. So they did a lot of talking on the on the podcast about like yeah, marketing so you would know better stuff. Than me. Well, no, but it was all like marketing stuff and like how do we know if like there's a market for this and blah, blah, blah. Right. Which made me think it was a SaaS. Gotcha. But maybe they're just like do, being incredibly diligent about an open source thing. Maybe. He has another open source thing that he's doing recently but whatever okay so spotsy comes out with shiki okay this this kind of breaks down Mm -hmm. a that it's not released yet Mm 
-hmm. and B, if it wasn't open source. Mm -hmm. So for the example, I kind of want to pretend that it is currently open sourced Mm -hmm. (laughs) because otherwise it's a different story. Um, But yeah, what what was I going to say? Oh, so this is an example of uh, I'm not being fair to either party here, but like an example where Spotsy is a company that has a lot of people who, Mm -hmm. so I guess I'm just removing the idea that it's a bunch of individuals in a, in a bar brawl. And it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, there might be like, um, I don't know, somebody with a gun. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Like you got your fists and then you got a dude with a knife and then you got a dude with a gun. Mm -hmm. Um, and because I think that's, that's a huge thing is companies Mm -hmm. that get involved in the open source game or people with more clout. That's another huge thing. Mm -hmm. Um, who could clobber something else, who could literally copy something and clobber someone else by being the bigger fish. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of subtext in this episode, but yeah. it's it's the jungle, man. It's crazy. Yeah. And because, um, yeah, I don't know. Yep. What's your point? I don't know. My original point was to 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 elevate the people in a bar brawl and then the, the plane drives by to like... Mm-hmm. There's so much commercialized different interest in in just there's plain a gradation between just yeah. being a person in a bar brawl and a plane. You can also be a guy with a gun. There's like multiple yeah, levels of exactly. how powerful you are. Yep. But it is true that GitHub is like the U.S. Air Force. <laughs> like, Interesting. They're the uh, most yeah. powerful. Let's talk about that. Um, maybe I'm thinking like. What do you mean they're or, the sorry, most powerful? Microsoft. Let's let's call a spade a spade. Microsoft is the U.S. Air Force here. Yeah, this is actually this is they own VS Code. They Dude, own GitHub. <laughs> Microsoft owning GitHub is the most ironic and dark future. It is really. Yeah. Because no matter what, no matter what, Nat actually, it's Friedman not the says, most dark future. It's it, it was better than a lot of other people who could have bought them, but yeah. It's dude. It's tough. It is tough because they are a big, big company with big Mm -hmm. corporate interests and they now will use GitHub to advance those interests. That's, Um, yep. 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 I bet they're sick of paying programmers too. They have a lot of programmers. I bet it'd be cool if they could not pay them. (laughs) Yeah. Like how how much do you think Microsoft spends a year on labor? I don't know. 20 bucks five billion dollars i don't know probably a lot um uh, <clears throat> dan cole mm-hmm. yeah this whole big company thing is uh is pretty wild especially yeah just microsoft just gives you the heebie-jeebies when you say the word you know mm-hmm. um and when you think about how much of like the contemporary programming environment they control there is a narrative here where github even before microsoft is evil Mm -hmm. they are profiteering off of open source you know they are the um they're they're like uh snidely or sneakily uh perverting open source you know into this like um centralized platform that uh that you know everybody that's so big that everybody uses that platform exclusively right and um like i know like uh what's his name richard stallman like those those mm-hmm. dudes hate github mm-hmm. hate it it's it's anti-open source to them or mm-hmm. it's anti-free software mm-hmm. um 
Dude, it's a whole dicey game because like GitHub also has a thing of wanting developers to make money, mm-hmm. you know? But uh, yeah, I don't know. But I love GitHub. Yeah. But they they uh, they feed your children. But this whole so what do you think about open source in general? Like what what's the what's the future of open source, Daniel? I mean, I think it's probably this until we're all dead. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, I mean, I think it's fine. I think open source is in a fine space. You know, I think really the people who are going to get screwed by this is like rank and file developers who've never who don't like who do like normal jobby job work mm-hmm. you know mm. like if anyone's gonna get hurt by this it's just gonna be like regular programmers like think about your first job where you worked where like everyone got their screenshots taken on their desktop and stuff yep those guys those guys yeah um small tangent on that on those mm-hmm. guys I just read this uh, Eric Barnes some somewhere on Twitter got posted an interview that Taylor did it, Taylor interviewed Eric Barnes forever ago on Laravel News. Okay. This is like early on, you know, stuff. And in this interview I'm guessing cuz I just skimmed it that the question was like how'd you get into Laravel or whatever. Eric Barnes is like, "Well, I'm I'm dumb and I just, you know, Google for what's the best thing." to write an app that I needed mm-hmm. to write in and, and everybody said PHP and MySQL. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just love that line. It's so archival that mm-hmm. everybody said PHP and MySQL. You want to write an app? PHP, MySQL. You're writing mm-hmm. a web app? That's what you do. And that's why Eric Barnes is here today, you know? Mm-hmm. But Eric Barnes, who was born 10 years later mm-hmm. and who just entered programming right now, mm-hmm. what is he seeing when he says, what's the best way to build an app? react he's seeing react and i wonder what else but definitely react right Mm -hmm. and he's learning react so 10 years from now like let's just say i don't know it was just a fun thought experiment that like php has this huge huge non i won't say non-vocal but you know what i mean it's this tip of the iceberg thing we're like oh old php but Mm -hmm. like actually so it's much of the web yeah yeah and so many developers are php developers a lot of that rank and file vibe mm-hmm. um where react is still just the tip uh mm-hmm. of the iceberg <laughs> and, right <laughs> thank you <laughs> um <laughs> so yeah you got <laughs> you got react and then you got um yeah but 10 years from now i don't know if react goes out of style but this huge like no matter what it's it has this whoever holds that place maybe that's what i'm saying whoever holds that place of of when you google how to build an app that's Mm -hmm. what comes up there's Mm -hmm. real implications there Mm -hmm. you know yeah and you don't want it to be uh facebook you also don't want it to be github copilot right you don't want it to be facebook for sure um (laughs) you don't want it to be github copilot yeah 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 i'd rather it was laravel or phoenix or something like that you know or next js you think so yeah i mean something something i mean something next is like a, is vercel you know and that's yeah just a true. company that's gonna get bigger and bigger and yeah whatever but i mean maybe that's okay but 
there is this vibe of like i don't know i don't know man yeah a lot of scattered thoughts here i mean so the the thing we didn't really talk about is the uh um like how do you take care of people whose jobs have been automated away yeah question which i think is like really important and like this i think is like the key right that like a good future for me like i'm not a luddite I'm, i don't oppose technology the <laughs> the forward march of progress right yeah like i i am pro innovation i'm pro new technology i'm pro everything but like historically those new technologies have consolidated power to the top right and like i think that's like an important point right and that like consolidated specifically value to the top right um and uh like the the thing that like the thing that like for example imagine like a bunch of bank tellers right and then like you're you're all like a part of this you all work at this bank right and then like uh atms come along and uh automate away the the job of a bank teller right yeah well well, atms are better people like using them more than standing in line in order to get twenty dollars you know like it's no one likes doing that right it is better to use an atm it's more convenient it's more fun it's more awesome but um those tellers will be put out of a job and will now like not have work you know Especially like you think about people who've like been a bank teller for 40 years when the ATM comes along and it's like, well, you can't retrain. Like, what are you going to get go to work at the grocery store? You know? Oh, wait, sorry. Self-checkout came out. You can't work there either. Um, Like, and so like, I think that, I think that it is really important that like automation basically be paired with caring for the people who are replaced by automation right and like this is why andrew yang was a popular candidate right because andrew yang was like the only person who like actually said like people are going to be automated out of work in record numbers very soon specifically like truckers and everyone who works at a uh business that is by an interstate that services truckers like truck stops gas stations all these other things like trucking is going to be automated very soon uh, which has like huge knock-on effects for a ton of small communities all across America, right? Like stuff like this. There's there are these huge industries that are like going to go in one fell swoop. Yeah. Um, and uh, like, what are we do? What is yeah, what our plan about that? to make sure that those people get some of the value that that automation is causing? Right. Like, companies are going to save massive or let's not say save, let's say make, because that's what it really is. Companies are going to make massive and massive, massive amounts of money by putting these people out of jobs. Yep. Those, to me, those people are entitled to be, like, okay when that happens, right? Yeah. Like, financially so, okay when that right. happens. This is interesting. I like this conversation um, because, like, let, let's take it, Let's go extreme here, which mm-hmm. is not necessarily that far from reality, but for the sake of this conversation, like, yeah, trucking out, um, basically everything but being a developer or like a designer of systems, basically. Mm-hmm. Yep. So let's say that that being a designer of a system is not going on a style at the moment. 
mm-hmm. and being a maintainer of a system. Yeah. Like innovation as a service is not going out of style. Yes. And also maintenance of complex systems, I think, sure. is also something that is kind of there. More for susceptible sure. to automation kill. But, but low-level okay. tasks, both yeah. physical and mental, mm-hmm. are going out. Mm-hmm. So all of the... Yeah. So yeah, it, it, let's say it's all automated. Um, and AI can also put out the low level stuff like customer service and yeah. all does sorts your dad of stuff still like work? That. Yes. Yep. What's what does your dad do? He's a, a food broker. So okay. he is like the middleman between like a manufacturer and used to be like restaurants and um well, and distributors whatever. So, yeah. He's actually sure. now in the powdered goods biz so he sells a lot of dried he milk. sells coke yeah <laughs> um powdered goods uh quote uh-huh. unquote but yeah that's what he does but he is now um, he now works remotely which is crazy after the pandemic he's he actually got a new job during the pandemic and works remotely yeah so like but. if his thing got automated out of business which is like it's a little bit like probably he very sales. relationship and communication based it's so. a lot of sa- yeah. he's a salesman he gets like yeah. Well, he's a, I don't think he works very much on commission, but um, yeah. but yeah. Yep. I think there's like a huge number of like 45-year-old plus men out there who are going to be out of a job pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's one of them. Um yeah. but he's not, but like I'm just saying like as a society, what are we going to do with these people? No, I agree. Right. So you the know? question is, well, let's say that we decide to just legislate it and pay everybody a certain amount. Um, that is that is an option yeah. right that's an option my gut issue with that is that uh just from my own experience not working it's not very it's not a great life so i have learned that like i need to work mm-hmm. um kind of no matter what even if i'm like financially sufficient so sure. um so i think uh, a lot of other people would make that decision too same so is there a way to put people to work and why why um, can't we just let people put themselves to work like you do sure but we're we're sort of putting the constraint on this that the type of work available is requires like skills and knowledge that 50 year olds aren't going to go get well right but i mean like you don't need to work for the next couple years if you don't want to right don't tell me what to do daniel you could you could stop working right now for a while and be working right now right um but you don't you put yourself to work yeah you say Mm -hmm. all right well i'm gonna go do something even though i don't need it to like feed myself yeah right i think there's plenty of people who have had a long-term dream of wanting to do something other than trucking sure you know who might go do that if they had the opportunity possible if if they didn't do that they'd help their neighbors put a new roof on okay Uh, right and totally and when people retire the first thing they say is like how did i work before you know yeah yeah. um my uncle a few doors down is retired and he just volunteers all day doing like meals on wheels and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um so let's say that that's not the issue so so one solution is the just pay everybody money Mm -hmm. so that's that's one solution sure see any issue with that uh no no except that like i think rather than it it shouldn't be like pay everyone enough to survive it should be like pay everyone the amount of money that the company is making by replacing them with automation oh but yeah okay well that's not gonna happen 
but like, right like i think like somewhere the, in the middle maybe you could right, you know. right but i think like the workers should have a share in the success of replacing them with automation and is there any way to do that that is not that doesn't re- you know i it's like i have so little faith in um how do you do that you just you just legislate that you just get a bunch of people oh, to know. be on board know. with like know, politicians like who just like say that that that's going to happen right it's a it's a practically difficult problem to solve i'm just saying like from a moral like who deserves what perspective like that's how i feel about it yeah i don't know man i mean that's a good perspective to have for the people for the masses of people who you know would be out of a job and poor well Um, i'm just saying like when something when like so like the whole thing with automation since like the industrial revolution right is that like automation decreases the amount of human work necessary to create goods right or to create like a sustainable life right for all humans yep um and the promise has always been that like oh all of this automation is going to make us have more leisure time yeah right like think specifically about like uh like uh when all this sort of like household devices like vacuum cleaners and stuff came out in the 50s right and there was like all the idea was that like oh like housewives aren't going to need to like work so much right yeah yeah but what quickly happened is that like now we have all of these people who are no longer having to do so much labor in the home to maintain a sustainable life so now let's put them into labor in like profitable industry right yeah and so like that is what sort of like normalized like two incomes being required to sustain a family which is enables you to like never raise the minimum wage which enables you to do all kinds of other crazy stuff right and like to me like it's true that automation does decrease the amount of labor but those savings are never passed on to the workers in the in the sense of saying great like we did automation everything's more efficient so now you get to make the same amount of money but come to work half as much like that's never what happens Instead, the savings always go to the owners. They never go to the workers. Yeah. Right? Yep. Um, and I think that that's, like, unfair, right? And I think, like, at the very least, you should get half of that, right? Okay, fair enough. I'm going to come to work three quarters as much, and you're going to make a quarter extra money, and, like, we're all good. Yeah. I. It's very tough. I understand the mechanism you're describing. It's mm-hmm. hard for me to... Um, maybe, maybe one of the issues with it is that it it sort of consolidates these roles as if like so consider this scenario mm-hmm. you have a uh, car or let's use the trucking example mm-hmm. you have a, a logistics company that hires truckers mm-hmm. and they do this at scale mm-hmm. now uh some uh new company named skynet mm-hmm. creates a efficient self-driving truck and they do it at scale and they offer mm-hmm. the services cheaper mm-hmm. and they put old school trucking company out of business. Mm-hmm. So this adds an extra variable here where in the, in the more simplistic example that we were sort of talking about, I think is like the trucking company starts automating things and firing people. Mm-hmm. They should be on the hook for those people that they fire because automation made mm-hmm. them more profitable they should forward those profits so what if the yeah, whole company yeah. goes out? that's i think what's what you're saying hard is, is like that, more complicated when there's more jumps in the supply chain yeah like it right it's when there's like outsourcing there's, and yeah and there's contracts. Yeah. it's not centralized it's not like one central person i think what makes it complicated is that the companies that are participating in this big trend 
are individual nodes. You know what I mean? Sure. And they can yeah, and they're I, cells and that, that can live and die. Right. And I think that 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 I like I say this is a complicated thing that I have no idea how to implement. But like I think the places where it's a lot easier to implement are Walmart, where it is a centralized node. It does employ people directly and it is directly buying self-checkout machines to replace them. Right. So start with Walmart, start with the simple cases, then we'll solve for the complicated cases later. Okay. So in the simple case, what should Walmart do? They buy these self-checkout machines. Right. They fire people. They fire people. Right. What do they do? They give them like... Do they create, I mean, ideally, they create a new job for them within uh, sure. Walmart or, so that they, they continue the to profit same amount. off of them. I think, the impor- I think the ideal situation is there is now a limited, there's a, so say there's like five people who work at a Walmart. I know that's ridiculous, but, yep. right? So there's five people who work at a Walmart. Um, they're each a cashier, right? Yeah. And then we add one self-checkout machine so now there's four lanes of cashiers and one self-checkout machine yep i think all five of those people should be paid the same amount that they were paid before but come to work what what is that 20 percent less okay right like so continue doing the work you were doing continue doing the work that needs doing um, yeah, I guess the problem with this, and, and then this like is the what, problem you with, need to diffuse the cost of the self checkout machine into that somehow. But like, right? So let's say that I mean this experiment's not going to work unless Walmart is eventually is profiting from this move. Period. Right. You know, it's not they're not going to settle for a net. Sure. So you even, share the so, co- you share the profits, right? So you let you let Walmart make like up to some amount of that. Profit. Okay. So now you have these workers mm-hmm. who are making what they were making, but they're working half as much. Right. But so the, eventually just, they get down to working none at all. And is, are they grandfathered into this or is can a new worker, like if they die, does Walmart, is Walmart like, great, they're dead. Like now we're done with this debt to pay. Well, and that's, that's the thing, right? Is that like, ultimately like the way to make this work is for people by their work to like own a portion of the company. Right. And like, that's why that this stuff is important. Right. That's why like collective ownership is important and stuff is like that. Ultimately, like you have to write these convoluted fucking systems like this, you know, in order to like start to get people what they deserve yeah because what they really deserve is that like their ownership should have bought them or their uh their labor should have bought them like a lot of ownership in walmart over the years which they which now the profits of self of self-checkout should just be realized for those people because they own a, bu- a bunch of walmart yeah you know right. so I-, I smell you so this is i'm the the underlying we're sort of boiling it down to that that like is this would would this be a classification of workers separated from the means of production yeah exactly like so this is this is an example of where if workers weren't separated from the means of production which in in the vehicle for that in this case is instead of paying you a salary where you can be hired and fired i'm paying you in like equity or something sure you know yeah or um even a very small amount Mm -hmm. but even that small amount by paying you that small amount you will have something when you're gone after yep. you've served your your term here. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, which is not as profitable for the the uh, corporations. So, so this sort of thing. So they're not incentivized to do that. Exactly. Um, yeah, and I think that like this is kind of true everywhere, right? That like there's a lot of people who just aren't being taken care of. So like at this point, I think like the the simplest, like most likely, most realistic solution would be some sort of 
a some sort of universal basic income right because like it's just going to have to happen because there's going to be so many people who are out of work that like are still going to need to eat so right yeah so some either some like massive expansion of the welfare state right to include Mm -hmm. like universal coverage right not like means-tested coverage where like anybody can get access to food and housing basically you know yep um and some money um so either a massive expansion of the welfare state or just like a direct universal basic income right um i think those are like for sure but i also think that like the responsibility for those things needs to be passed on to the people who caused the problem right which in this case is walmart or whoever right and so i think that like it should probably be that like if you're if you become unemployed as a result of automation that like that company is going to be on the hook for like a pension for you for the rest of your life you know that's interesting so let's especially say, if you're over a certain age let's say if you're over like 50 right? so let's say you propose this act where if you're over 50 you it's called the um well let's say it's like scaling down to you know down to 18 up to 50 right so if at 18 you're almost at zero at 50, yeah. you're getting 100% of what you were making. Right, before. right, right. So if you were... If you're 45... If you were let go from your job... Yeah. Because your job was replaced with automation, mm-hmm. you are on the hook. Uh, sorry, you, you get compensated for that. So mm-hmm. Walmart, now... I mean, this is just a circle of life that... The obvious thing here is that... Okay, so let's say that Walmart now has all these extra expenses or... Mm-hmm. Right, they don't necessarily have extra expenses because they just reduced their expenses with those machines. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a wash, but somebody who isn't on the hook for all those workers and who comes into the game and opens a supermarket that's completely self-checkout from the get-go, they've never mm-hmm. hired a worker, has no penalty to pay, they can charge lower prices, they eat up Walmart and become the next thing. You know what sure. I mean? Yep. Like it creates an imbalance in the force. Like it's... Uh, I don't really think so. I just think that like this is a way to ease that transition right yeah because like that's going to happen anyway right amazon is going to open their own grocery stores that are completely self-checkout where you can just grab your food and i mean they already are right okay um so that's going to happen anyway what i'm saying is like do we have to discard half of society on the way to get there or can we at least like give these people a gentle off-ramp so they're not just kicked out the door right because like the next generation is obviously going to need to figure something out themselves right yeah yeah because like none of these people who are 11 right now are learning how to be bank tellers or checkout people or long-haul truckers because these are dead jobs at this point right yeah um but so they're gonna have to come up with like a different strategy right but in the meantime we've got like a hundred million people (laughs) who who like need to be cared for as they're kicked out of the economy. Yep. You know? Yeah. I, I applaud your caring for the people for other people. That's good. I, and I have, I have a tendency to care for people, but not, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe not on a mass scale like that. Like I, you know what it is? It's not that I don't care for people on a mass scale. It's more that like, it's hard for me to dream about not realistic situations, you know? Right. Like the most likely thing to happen is the thing that has the most incentive for businesses, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, 
Which in this so case is just those that, people just die, right? Yes, that's like the best thing for businesses. Tens of, of millions people of people just like, just I don't die. care what happens to you, just go die. That's you the know? best thing. No, no, no. What would be even better, like this is that, um, this is like, like if a renewable energy solution comes along that's not subsidized, that mm -hmm. is more economic. Mm -hmm. which would take a while to catch on because there's, you know, infrastructure mm -hmm. that they'd need to convert over and whatnot. But like, that's the only way we're going to fix the planet is if mm -hmm. it's actually profitable. Otherwise, it's going to be fighting tooth and nail. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And it's sort of the same thing with this. It's like to impact a change like this on such a broad scale, the ideal solution is something that is actually more profitable for Walmart. Like the worker, instead of dying... They're, the worker's worth more alive than dead to Walmart if they provide value to Walmart. Mm -hmm. So can you... So the worker who was working a self-checkout, um, is there a way for Walmart to capture more value from them? You know, uh, maybe, but there is definitely teller. a way for society to capture more value from them, right? Which is like... like, And this is kind of like the whole pitch of the Green New Deal and everything is that like... Like you were saying, there's massive infrastructure changeover that needs to happen if we're going to, like, uh, save the world from melting yep. to death, right? right? And, like, that is going to require an insane amount of uh, labor that is currently not profitable, right? And so, like you say, it's either going to be more profitable or it's not going to happen or it is going to be funded by government because that's what governments are for is to fund yeah. things that are good but not profitable, Yeah. right? Yep. And so, like... In this case, like, I think the solution to both of these problems is something along the lines of an insanely expensive, insanely massive government jobs program to convert all infrastructure into some sort yeah. of like a massive uh, thing that not that decreases carbon emissions, builds high speed electric rail all over the country, does all of this stuff that is important to decreasing these emissions which is never going to happen because it's not profitable to be the person who runs high-speed rail all over the country yep you know right and that is an ideal so i mean then you a country is a business as well um mm -hmm. in the well, sense a country that is like, an institution for sure but in the sense it doesn't that, need to make a profit but it has the same um like the u.s doesn't want to become poorer and poorer Right. Sure. Well, I mean, it does become poorer and poorer in the sense that it goes into greater and greater right debt now, over time. It is doing that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I guess what I'm saying is, like, let's say the U.S. is like, all right, we got to fix this climate thing. Mm -hmm. Let's, you know, we're gonna do this insane initiative, hire tons and tons of people, convert mm -hmm. all of everything over to, you know, green leaves, mm -hmm. and we're good to go. We spend, you know, we're up to our eyeballs in debt, whatever. Like, I, I guess the people who are employed to make the, to do those things make money. But I guess what I'm saying is if that, like there's, there's infrastructure things that don't make sense, but have a high yield over like a long period of time. Mm -hmm. And then there's things that don't. Mm -hmm. And it's, a, it's surely a risk for the government to do things that on that massive of a scale that don't have a return in the long run. And that mean, other countries like China and India, you the know, the first will, new deal, like we did this, you know, Okay. And that, that like that's why all of the bridges you see that you drive over were built 
right during right. the new and deal. And that was a good thing though. Like yeah. that was a net positive for the country. Right, because it built it built infrastructure that could be exactly. used for the next seventy years. And I yeah, think yeah, that's yeah. what exactly what we're talking about is like reinventing American infrastructure to be that is not what we're talking about. Oil. Yeah. That is what we're talking about. I'm throwing a wrench into there that another country who goes, you know what? Screw the climate. We're mm-hmm. gonna invest heavily into coal infrastructure and you know, they'll right. have spent less than us and they'll be producing more cheaper than us. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I know that that will happen, right? Uh, let's just say that it's China, because it is, right? Like, <laughs> I'm not China, saying who it is. Because China also has massive centrally directed infrastructure programs, right? They build cities yeah. out of whole cloth, and they're just like, yep, plop down an enormous city, right? Like, like a new city every... They're um, so fast, tw- and it's all seconds. centrally directed government jobs programs. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like that's how they're able to get so much They've done. Lifted the entire population out of poverty in but, like fifty years. Yeah, it's insane. But at the same time, like uh they don't care at all about emissions. Yeah. Right? Like that is not a high or priority. Or the whales or the bluefin tunas. But like that's the thing, and and so like the American like solution to climate change or sort of like the the like liberal Democrat Party solutions to climate change all sort of expect that we're going to do the right thing and all the other countries are going to do the right thing too yeah right and we just need to accept that that's not going to happen all the other countries are going to do the wrong thing so we need to do the thing three times as right as we think that we need to because we're going to have to make up for this deficit of other countries just gotcha yeah continuing to pollute which is why it's so important that we do something like this to like to like really really decrease the impact of america on the world then you start getting into the ability to like sanction people based on carbon emissions and stuff like that right like once we have our own house in order here right yeah we can then say like hey china don't you enjoy selling into the u.s market like isn't that something that's that's cool for you well like sadly like you're like the percentage of like goods that you're able to import just like went way 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 down because like we don't accept goods from companies that like don't meet this carbon footprint or whatever yep right so like oh turns out you can't buy iphones anymore because foxconn is not carbon neutral you know although i think foxconn is because apple puts pressure on them because like when supply chain partners put pressure on companies then they miraculously figure out how to be carbon neutral yep um so yeah i don't know i smell you deke it's a long one about oh boy. Real politics But it felt good. Stimulating decal. Start from GitHub sponsor or get not sponsors. We love GitHub. I sponsors. always appreciate the we love GitHub sponsors. I always appreciate the um the dialogue, my good deke, because you know, I just uh I uh I learned from you. It's a big world out there. I don't uh I don't know if I don't I do think about stuff a lot. Maybe I don't read about stuff as much. So it's helpful for me to get your perspective, Deke. My good Deke. It's a good party. Yeah, Deke. And All that being said, like uh, GitHub Copilot is very cool, technically. <laughs> technically Check out speaking. GitHub Copilot. <laughs> Download it, install it, use it, teach it, train it. It's cool, man, whatever. Move it, fix it. Bop it. Pull it. Ah! <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we didn't even talk about machine learning. Daniel, I wrote a neural network. You wrote a neural not, network? Yeah, it's not that tough to like understand. Oh, it learned how to do XOR, exclusive OR. Okay. <laughs> Passing two binaries and it approximates the output. I'm working on a, like a basic handwriting recognition thing, but it's it's kind of it's pretty tough for me right now. That's pretty but, cool. So I've I've backpedaled. I won't spend too much time on this because we're at the end here. But this was my my uh, day yesterday. I blew work off and did this. Get ready. Oh, all those there's a bunch of points on a graph. Mm-hmm. And, it's and like approximating uh, a line. Yep. And there's just a machine learning algorithm that guesses the slope and the offset of the linear regression, the fancy word for a line that approximates through the scatter of, of points. Um, it's still going. It's still getting there. Come on. So that was fun. That was like, Come it's on. pretty simple, but it's still like, I mean, it's... it's um, you feel smart. It's the, it's the hello world of machine learning. Like you touch mm-hmm. the basic principles and the basic algorithms, which mm-hmm. are not that difficult. Um, yeah. Everything sounds way harder than it is, dude. Like everything in machine learning. Yeah. It's not as hard. What are you using? TensorFlow or something? JavaScript. Pure JavaScript for everything. Oh, really? That, yeah. I'm like, if I start a TensorFlow, I won't understand anything. Uh-huh. So, yeah. So it's all been pure JavaScript. Pure JavaScript. Not difficult, though. Like, hmm. some loops, you know? Some loops, hmm. changing some variables, doing a little bit of math. But all the math, they make you think that you need, like, math libraries to do, like, linear algebra and calculus and stuff. But you don't. At some level, I'm sure you do. But all the functions that you need are very basic that you can just write in JavaScript very easily. Hmm. Um, yeah. So, anyway... That's been my life, and it's very fun. And just witnessing how neural networks work, though, we should talk about sometime, um, because it's very fascinating, and it's it's very cool. It's very cool, and you can understand oh, yeah. it. You could actually have a full understanding of it with no black boxes after maybe ten to fifteen minutes of me rambling on about it. But that's sick. Um, we should do that next episode. Yeah, but it's fun. I I just want to get into this world a little bit and understand the language. Do you have um, something you want to build? No, I wish I did. If you have something, we should we should talk about something because I really would like to have something, you know? Mm. But I can't think of a damn thing. Do you have any like smart home sensors in your house? I have Philips Hue bulbs. No mm-hmm. sensors though. I have a thermostat that's hooked up directly to the heating and air more conditioning inputs, system. <laughs> you need more inputs. That's the problem. You only have outputs. Right. Well, I can get inputs from like data of stuff like, like, um, you know, public temperature data, public uh, river flow data. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But what, what are you cool. thinking specifically? Well, I was thinking like doing some stuff based on like you give it data about like who's home and what time it is and like blah, blah, blah. And like it decides what temperature it's supposed to be in the house. Oh, so. So you never actually set your thermostat. So you give it like weather data and then like connection, like whether my iPhone is connected to the Wi-Fi data. Isn't that just a program though? Like what's the AI in that? What's the pattern recognition? So you, know? you would give it inputs of like what, of like oh, what train temperature. It with you're, just, yeah, you're just going to set the temperature. I just on set the, the temperature for a year or something. And don't for a year think or something. About it. And it like learns from and like you setting the temperature. Set the temperature. 
and who's home yeah. and what time it is and what the weather right. outside is and blah blah blah. Yeah, that's that's one of the the constraints that to impose about thinking about projects is something that like you have to train it. Yeah. And the shorter the feedback loop, the more realistic it's going to be for me to to build something, you know, like mm-hmm. that. I'm not going to wait a year to do that. Um is there an example similar to that? that I'm putting lots of input into that I could train mm, it in a week mm. or something, you know, but that's a good one. I like that. And then the other hard thing is, well, I guess you just have to collect the data because then you can tweak the algorithm. Afterwards. You should, do you have some sort of a, so, okay. I will, Daniel. my friend Ian wrote a, co- wrote a paper in college. Um, where they wrote a neural network to predict where beaver dams were. Oh, okay. Um, so basically they put in information about where a bunch of beaver dams were. Yep. And I think you told me about this. They uh including information like river flow and elevation and yep. all sorts of other stuff there. Um and they're kayakers, right? Mm-hmm. So they uh and then they like predicted where a beaver dams would be. Hmm. and they went out and checked and there were beaver dams where they said there would be so cool you should do that for fishing spots Hmm. so you should like put in information you know or that other people know about like where good fishing spots are right and like other information about river flow speed and water temperature like you should cut you should like pull in that data right yeah and then like have it predict good fishing spots and then go to them and fish and then if it says no or if you if it's a bust, then you say no, that's not a good fishing spot, you know. Right. And if you do catch a fish, you say yes, that's a fishing spot of score five big fish that I caught. Yep. Yeah. That'd be fun. That, that would be fun. Difficult to because a spot is like small, you know. So you would need data about. You would need to collect data. Yeah, like I, I think the only thing I could reasonably do would be mm-hmm. collecting public flow data, which is usually only one on a, a given river, you know, mm-hmm. around here. So it's not like, yeah, but whatever. Collecting flow data, like we've talked about before, like flow data, weather data, time of year data, and then catches and for like a year. Like, mm-hmm. but it'd be pretty tough because my sample set's pretty small. I would, if I fished every single day, then it would be a bigger sample set, you know, but it's pretty tough to like, I'm wondering, is there something like that that would be very cool and useful, but that I don't have to like, that has good data, you know? Training data. Yeah. More frequent training operations. More free. Yeah. The only thing you do frequently enough to train it is stuff on your computer. Yeah. That's the problem. I go to the bathroom and I thought like, it would be fun to do like, you know, you know the the, the you just track your peas and poops. Yes, yep. Track my peas and poops and have. I'd have to think, but the the problem is the input data. That's like the easy stuff is day and time of day and stuff like that. The hard stuff is my diet. Like mm-hmm. that's very difficult to pin down and track and everything. But I would love to like create an AI that replicates my like GI mm-hmm. tracked basically, and, and then just gives you notifications like. Bitch, you got to poop right now, don't you? Right. And you're well, like, like, oh, I, I do have to I poop I want to run right simulations and be like, okay, if I eat uh, this cheeseburger and a milkshake yeah, yeah. and I drink a beer, like, 
what will away. when will i poop tomorrow at what times and what uh level will it be what, on like there's what? like the stool scale of one yeah, to five yeah. or whatever like where would it be at like that would be very useful <laughs> so yep. there's that that is cool. um but yeah i don't know if you think of anything if you think of anything yeah let me know oh caleb throughout yeah. this podcast the user the listener and yourself have heard many dings no i haven't oh well there have been many dings first it was my phone i muted that then it was my ipad just wanted to let you all know every device in my house is dinged during this podcast gotcha yeah i ipad needs a mute toggle the ipad pro needs a mute toggle like the iphone has uh i haven't had an iphone in a while but i remember it and it was great that little toggle switchy Mm. daniel i'm sweating and I need to go turn the AC on. Let's be gone. Do you want to cue that outro music? Do it right now. Bum, bum, bum.